Taylor Decker's on my all 22 fantasy team, by the way. Stop. Stop it. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Taylor. I don't care, and I'm in the league. I'm just trying to hype up the future of fantasy football yeah. here. They told me we could hype it up. Nobody cares about your fantasy team. That's one of the uh, cardinal my rules way. of broadcasting. Regardless of the medium, they don't care. So the strategic component to this game is through the roof. Your predictions, right? Your forecasting in fantasy football into how good is this player? This is gonna, it's gonna change the industry. Yeah. yeah. I moved to the old town where it goes down. Look at me now. I wrote my goals down. I hold it down. Made myself proud. Say, look at me now. Hello and welcome to the All 22 Podcast. My name is Chris Lombardi and I'm joined again by Ray Cotto and Bobby Acker. We are the founders of All 22. Uh, guys, the, the offseason is rolling now, right? Quarterbacks are starting to come off the market. Let's take, let's take no more than five minutes and talk about what's going on in the quarterback market. The first domino fell with Derek Carr. We got Aaron Rodgers and Lamar, guys. What, what are we thinking? You're just going to gloss right over the guy that got his deal? You're going to gloss right over oh. my boy? <laughs> I did. I did. Go ahead. Go ahead, Bobby. Give us give us the, no, the quick take on Daniel Jones. So it's funny because, Ray, you, as soon as it went through, you're like, Bobby, you called it. And I totally forgot that I called it. I totally <laughs> forgot. But no, man, it was, it was awesome. I think it's a deal that worked well for both parties. Like, I think I said it to one of you guys. He's a middle-class middle class quarterback now with an upper-middle-class contract, which is totally fair considering he's the last guy to get his contract. Um, it looks like it's two years of guarantees. And then from there, it's, you know, there's some flexibility. Um, I think it gives us the, gives the giants the stability or the ability to go out and aggressively pursue some free agents, which we haven't been able to do in a long time. So I'm excited for the rest of the offseason even more now, but yeah, I'm really happy with how that all shook out. If you're going to do it with a like I'm quoting you, I'm not saying this is my take, but a, a middle-class quarterback, I think he's a good one to do it with because he has the upside of the rushing ability. He he has the arm. He can do really it all. We just need to now see it at a more consistent level, and hopefully they get him the, the receivers and weapons to do that. I think it's also all about what they let him do. If you go back and watch games from last season, like if you look at specifically the Washington game where we t- where the Giants tied with them, it was really frustrating because Daniel was doing everything that, that was asked of him. They just weren't asking much of him. And you Mm. see that time and time again. So, okay, we just paid him like a top 10 quarterback. Now let him go and play like a top 10 quarterback. Russ, let Russ cook part two. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) didn't work out so great. So I don't want to say that. (laughs) Okay, cool. So uh, let's move to, you want to do Lamar Ray? Yeah, I think it's interesting. Uh, I think last week or the week before we talked about the best fit for Lamar and I think you mentioned the the Atlanta Falcons, and uh, I, I think that I agree with that too. I'm not sure. Again, a lot of people are saying, you know, what's what's going to happen here? Are people sort of are owners colluding to not give him a big deal or something, right? Because you have a lot of re- reports out there about teams saying, "Oh, I'm not interested." I think that's more of a leverage play than anything else. Um, I think teams don't want to go out there and sort of raise the price on the guy they may be after, which is what you saw happen to Deshaun Watson with, with all the trouble that was surrounding him. The, the amount that was given up in order to sign, to trade for him and then sign him, uh, was, was a big deal, right? So I think, uh, teams are just sort of laying low in that regard with, uh, with, uh, relation to Lamar Jackson. Um, I still would like, I would love to see him in Atlanta. Uh, I would love to see them pull that off. And really, I think that offense would be a lot of fun to watch. 
but uh, I think it's it's very early. I think we're in the first quarter of that sort of thing. And it'll, it'll be a bit of a marathon because there's a lot to work out there, right? You want a deal that the Ravens won't want to match or won't be able to match. And then, of course, give up two first-round picks as well. So there's a lot at play here. That's a little bit different from someone like Derek Carr who just signed. But um, I think long story short, give me Lamar and – uh, in a different offense, maybe with some receiver weapons or in a place like Atlanta, and we could see, you know, what he can do from there. Yeah, you know, I, I'll go back to my take. Like, I I still love him in Atlanta. I think he that offense has a lot of upside. It matches his strengths really well. But I don't think it's a team ready to win. And that's why I had the take about him going to the Jets, where maybe the offense doesn't fit him as well, but it has the defense, right? It has, like, a top potentially three defense. So him in that system, the way that he can elevate that team, if if – Aaron Rodgers doesn't go there, I think could be just even that much more special. If I were the Jets, I think I'd, 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 I'd prefer that, but I'm not sure if it doesn't seem like they're the ones who can make the move, right? They're zeroing in on Rodgers. Well, it's that long-term financial commitment you mentioned, right? I think a lot of teams are scared of that. And I think what I really heard you say is the Browns aren't available anymore. So the, <laughs> the team that's going to go and make a move like that is off the market. Um, is there another team willing to do that? I don't know. It's a lot of money. It's kind of unprecedented before uh, Watson. I don't know. Like you just said, it's, it's, it's a bit unprecedented, right? And how much of this do you think has to do with the fact that he does not have an agent? Do you think this would be done by now had he had somebody representing him? And it's, it's no offense to Lamar Jackson, but I feel like if you're looking for this like historic deal, this huge deal, I, I, I feel like you should probably let some professionals take take over and kind of and, and kind of do this for him look at everybody else who got their deal so far all working with agents as far as quarterbacks I don't know I, I feel like maybe he's being stubborn but I think that that probably gets it done yeah you, go ahead Ray I'll say you bring up a really good point because I think what would happen by now I just talked about how you have teams coming out and saying oh we're not interested and we we may not fully believe that right but an agent agents are the guys who float the interest out there, right? The agent is usually the source that's saying, oh, hey, the, the Miami Dolphins are looking at this player, right? To drum up interest in their clients. And so when the the player is the client, he's, he's not necessarily doing that, right? So uh, I don't think you could tamper with yourself. That's, that's just a little weird. So I do think in that respect, that may be why this dynamic is so different early on with Lamar. You bring up a good point there. And I, I see it. Uh, you were talking about collusion, owner collusion, and that thing, I keep hearing it, it kind of bothers me. And, you know, I, I, we have deals coming up with for Joe Burrow and Josh Allen, or not Josh Allen, Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts. And those are guys that are coming off of their best year. Lamar is coming off of like one of his worst, right? And his, his MVP season is now three years behind him. Um, that matters, right? That matters. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, when those guys get paid, I can see those deals being more like the Patrick Mahomes deal than it is like the Deshaun Watson deal where it's you're getting 250 it's guaranteed there's no way for the team to opt out but I think that's not what happens with Burrow and Hurts I think it's more like the Mahomes where it's a lot of money we're going to see some really big figures but it's going to be every two years somebody has the opportunity to restructure that deal and I think what Lamar and to Bobby's point without having an agent there to guide him towards that direction He's really hurting himself, pigeonholing himself into trying to get this like massive Deshaun Watson style deal. It, he kind of made it clear since even the, the end of last season that he does not want to be in Baltimore anymore. Yeah. 
I, I feel like even if this is where things end up, if he if if Baltimore saying okay, you're going to play on this tag, we're not going to see Lamar Jackson in 2023. It sucks. Yeah, it sucks seeing good football players not play football, and he is a he's an amazing football player. Mm-hmm. Maybe let's see how he let's see if he ends up in Atlanta. That'll be fun. <laughs> For sure. All right, but five minutes are up. So uh, last week, not even last week, it was actually only a few days ago, we did the uh, defensive combine results talking about what happened there. Now let's turn focus to the offensive side of the ball. And let's start with Saturday. Guys, the quarterbacks, receivers, and tight ends worked out on Saturday. And I don't even know if we could talk about this. Like, I want to pose the question to you guys. One guy legitimately broke the combine where, like, I'm not sure I could believe anything that happened. Who the hell is Zach Kuntz? And how did he single-handedly just break the combine? How did that happen? I think you said his name wrong. I watched two he videos to confirm it correctly. All right. that, that was his name. <laughs> For the first time, I did homework. <laughs> yeah. So Zach Koontz is like a slow burn prospect, right? So he actually originally signed with Penn State to play college football in the same recruiting class as Pat Fryermuth. And so Fryermuth was... I mean, you see it in Zach Koontz now, right? I mean, he's like nearly 6'8". He's like super tall, kind of wiry. He was like a string bean out of high school, right? Needed a lot of time to develop, put on weight, sort of become a grown man. Whereas someone like Fryermuth was more ready-made. He was, he might've been like a freshman All-American. I don't know. Um, and so he kind of fell behind as a result of that, not necessarily because of his athletic ceiling, but because of who he came in with and who basically took the reins first. So then he eventually transfers uh, to Old Dominion. And like we said, he needed time to sort of grow, develop, and mature. And that's where you see this sort of uh, this, this freak show athlete uh, at the Combine this past weekend show up uh, basically from out of nowhere. But um, yeah, so high athletic upside, definitely not going to be like a, a blocker. Like he's not a blocking tight end or anything like that. But uh, athletic and in today's NFL, there's, there's a good place for that. And who knows, he can go into a good landing spot and carve out a real nice role for himself. Ray, before you say out of nowhere, be careful what you say about the Conference USA, okay? Some really good, <laughs> really good teams there. Yeah, yeah. Maybe one or two really good teams, right? <laughs> one, one in particular, but keep going. Okay. <laughs> the, yeah, that's it. That's my Coons take. So That's your Coons take. I mean, well, the only thing I kind of did. You said it wrong again. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I... I, uh, I was looking at his numbers, right? He finished top three in every category and he finished first in half of the, in half of them. That means that not only was he one of the fastest in the 40 and his lateral skills, but he finished top three in bench press. Like you're saying he can't be a blocking tight end, but he might've proved that he's strong enough to do it, right? Like you said, maybe his frame is still not finished. He has more room to grow. Six seven two fifty five is still like kind of wiry. But if he gets to like 265, 270 at 6'7", and he's strong and fast, I don't know. It could be cool. Maybe, but I mean, he's so long, it's hard to get. Yeah, that's not what he's built for. He's, he's built to freaking you know, d- detach him and go up and get the ball. You know, I think, I think the 6'7 blocking tight end in this class is Darnell Washington, who also had a really good combine, um, which I think uh, I, I named him in the sort of freaks to watch list or workout warriors to watch list just before – uh, combine weekend. So, um, that's another one, right? It's like, you look at them on paper, their, their measurements are somewhat similar as it relates to like, you know, height, weight, uh, that sort of thing. But 
different sort of players where you just see the power. There's that viral video of him going around like blocking the sled versus every other tight end that goes after him. And it's just like a world of difference. Uh, so I, when you compare him to, to that, right, that versus Koontz, you see where it's like, okay, Koontz, you're the athlete. I'll put Darnell Washington in line and, you know, he'll knock some heads in there and then maybe go out for some passes every now and again because he's also really athletic and can do that too. How do you throw to Darnell Washington just 43 times in the season? He only caught 48 passes his entire college career. That's wild. The dude's a monster. How do you not throw him the ball more often? So my comment on him was, I don't think that his combine showing matched his film at all. Like, he he isn't really a receiving prospect. Like, if you watch his film, everything is just, like, short underneath design dump-offs. Like, he never ran real routes. So, like, it could be that they just weren't using him well, but it also could be that, like, I don't know, maybe his skill set doesn't match his athletic yeah. profile. To me, I just figured it was like a Georgia thing. It was just the way they were using him. It was like this, you know, Stetson Bennett thing. I, I really don't I really don't know. But yeah. it's, it's wild to me because he just looked like a monster among an, an already impressive group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got that other tight end there too, right? Brock Bowers, who's a phenomenal receiving tight end, who's going to be coming out next year, who's just really good. Um I agree. I don't think Darnell Washington's the type where, you, hey, go run a, a ten yard out or or a deep corner or something, and he's going to have that sudden shake to to break open and gain a ton of separation. Uh, but I do think there's more there than what you saw at Georgia, just because a they had Brock Bowers for the receiving game at tight end, and also it's Georgia. I mean, most of their games they were up by five touchdowns by halftime, and were just basically running out the clock and playing their backups in the second half of games anyway, right? So uh, I, I think that's a part of it too. So uh, I think there were questions coming in because he didn't show much at Georgia in the receiving game. And he answered some of those athletic questions at the combine, even though you won't see some of that on tape. Well, he still, he still carried a 70.3 receiving grade in 2022. So you got to think like, Hey, maybe some more targets that gets better, but who knows? Mm-hmm. I think seeing that run blocking ability and Ray, you mentioned that, that uh, the drill they did with the sled. And like, my first thought was like, yeah, that's impressive. But that also looked very awkward. Like he looked like a giraffe pushing the sled. Like he just looked way too big to be doing that. But yeah, you got to think like his game can translate to the next level. And I think he's a perfect all 22 tight end, right? So like Mm -hmm. we're talking about his combine stuff, not matching maybe him as his receiving profile, but like him as an all 22 tight end, you love this guy because what he can do to the sled, he's more Martellus Bennett, right? Like it's, it's pretty cool. I, I had it as a note later on, but I'll say it now. I would not be surprised if he grades the highest, the earliest of all of all the tight ends. Not saying he's going to be the best, but I think you know his his rookie season, you know, two three years in, he's going to be putting up some solid grades. Probably earlier than earlier than you'll see it from even a guy like uh, Kincaid or whoever. Mm-hmm. That's a good take. It's a like little it. Kincaid. Yeah. yeah, I'll cut that. But is it Kincaid? <laughs> yeah, Kincaid. <laughs> or Ray, keep it. Keep that. You'll cut that, right? We're keeping it in. <laughs> plowing through here. Um, so a little unrelated, but like the thought's been going around a little bit about Darnell Washington. What if he just sort of grew and became an offensive tackle? Because like he's huge. He can block really well. What if he goes the Jason Peters route? I, I'm i not sure I'd be against that. Go ahead. It'd be pretty sick to see like, you know, like the like Taysom Hill is like a hybrid quarterback receiver, like gadget. <laughs> if we see that with with tackles and tight ends, Andrew sick. Thomas, that'd be sick. Dude. <laughs> Mackay Becton, you saw him; he just dropped a ton of weight. Like he's going to be that guy too. 
There's a market <laughs> for it, guys. I'm telling you. That'd totally, be cool. Totally. The, uh, the Alaskan <laughs> woolly mammoths will have those. Yeah, dude. Did you see that they're reviving a woolly mammoth or they're trying to bring one back within the next four years? Yeah. You know, with like the lab leaks, news of lab leaks and things like that. I don't know how I feel about like just blotching DNA and putting it out there in like the environment. Yeah, like, sick, it'll become like a killer woolly mammoth, you know, and just yeah. terrorize like the Pacific Northwest. I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty scary. It's going to be a woolly mammoth, but they Yo. put artificial intelligence in its brain. So it's just like <laughs> super smart and it knows it's bigger than you, you know? That'd be dope. Like, yeah. Guys, I, I'll say it again. Those UFOs got shot down. Now we're starting to recreate woolly mammoths. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> which is the perfect happening. segue into the next topic, which is what, Chris? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Where did you want to go with this? I don't know. It's, coo- it's, it's not- coons. Okay. <laughs> so who else impressed at the combine? Now, now, who was I excited to see? All right. Dude, Richardson. We're talking about like freakish stuff, right? With mm. woolly mammoths. Richardson. There's a segue right there. I <laughs> love it. Anthony Richardson, it was insane at the combine. That's not news at all. But like, Chris, you and I were talking about this a couple of days ago. Like, it shouldn't have been a surprise to anybody. Like, going into the combine, you knew he was going to do this. And then mm-hmm. we see it. And then all of a sudden, it's like this hot news and everybody's going berserk. Like, I don't know. I, I feel I felt like it was it was a bit overblown. Yes, impressive, but not surprising whatsoever. If you're surprised by that news, you didn't watch any of his tape because you saw it. You saw all of that. And like, if if you just needed that confirmation, a little bit of that extra that extra oomph, you needed that. Like, then sure, okay, good for you. But he still is a very very below average thrower of the football, and his accuracy is just so poor. Yeah, so like, erratic. so like if he ends up being Cam Newton, because Cam Newton missed a lot of throws too. So like if he can work his way up to being as good of a passer as Cam Newton, he definitely has a future in the NFL. And I, I like him as a prospect, but he should have stayed in college. He just, yeah. he should have stayed in college. Need, needed to cook a little longer. Yeah. I, I feel like he struggles to put touch on any of his passes. He's always looking to throw the hell out of the ball when it, that's not really the throw to make. I feel like if you go back and look at his film, you look at his highlights, whatever, you're seeing like the same four or five highlights every time. And I just, yeah, I just worry about a, how, it, how it translates. You made a good point. So like when I, when I was like in my athletic days, I was fast, I was quick, whatever. And I would go to shoot a basketball and I'd always miss, right? Because I was like maybe a little too quick. I got a little older, got a little bit slower, got a little less athletic. I could hit shots now, guys. Like, so maybe he just needs to slow down a little bit, and he'll uh, he'll he'll be a better thrower. Well, just like Anthony Richardson, I'll say the same thing to you, Chris. I got to see it before I believe it. <laughs> wow, let's go! I'm kidding, I've seen it. Christ, you're so sensitive. I'm ready anytime. <laughs> Everything you said there, Bobby, could pretty much you could just copy paste for Will Levis. It's the same yeah. thing. I don't see a lot of touch, and um, he's he's often late or behind on throws to his left. I saw that again at the combine. So I didn't like that. Uh, yes, he could throw it a mile, but this was all baked into the stock price. So while it's impressive, it didn't change my position on either of those guys. Right. And CJ Stroud looked phenomenal. So for, for whatever that's worth, because I don't, I try not to take too much away from the combine for quarterbacks because so much more goes into it than obviously just throwing in shorts to players you've never thrown to before. 
with no rush or anything. So, um, but nothing changed for those guys to me. It's it, it's fun to talk about. It was fun to see, but nothing changed. They still have the same strengths and weaknesses. I would. I'm not changing one from someone who I think needs time to develop and may get somewhere towards their ceiling after two or three years versus someone who's a little more ready made. My opinion just stays the same. Yeah, it, it's funny you mentioned you, you put them in the same like category right there because if you go back and look at the Kentucky Florida game, I feel like you get to see the complete embodiment of both of those two players. Like they mm-hmm. should be impressive, but for some reason they're not. They're just not finished products yet. That's mm-hmm. that's what it is. The the one takeaway I had on the quarterbacks, and like I guess this is a positive though. Like, I don't think we're trying to be sold a group of quarterbacks that are all these like weird shapes and sizes. Like when you're talking about Richardson, Stroud and Levis, like they are the perfect size for an NFL quarterback. Like there's nothing you'd really want to change. Like I remember the um, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, like that draft, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, like they were all kind of like Trevor Lawrence is 6'6", but he's like 205 pounds. (laughs) Like he's like a string bean. And then Zach Wilson is like, little short, little, like little small too. And they all have these great skill sets, but like when you put pads on them, who's going to look like an NFL quarterback. And like, sometimes that does matter. And I don't think I have any concerns with any of these guys. And even Bryce young, like he measured in basically the same size as Kyle, Kyler Murray and Kyler Murray hasn't really like his problems aren't related to his size. So like, I'm fine with it. Right. Like it's not that concerning to me. So you're saying that you want to see the combine in full pads moving forward. Yes. It means nothing to me how fast you run a 40 without pads on. That's all yeah, I'm saying. I agree. <laughs> uh, the only other note I had on quarterbacks, is just like, I'm happy for all the guys like trying to get that backup role. Cause like Clayton Toon, Stetson Bennett, Max Dugan, uh, Thompson Robinson, uh, Cunningham, all those guys had like good showings, right? They all like pretty athletic guys, like worked well in the drills. Um, like that's great. That's great stuff. Like they'll all, I think they all earned a shot. So are we talk about most impressive guys right now at the combine or most excited to see whatever you got, give it to me because my favorite player in this draft. Okay. It's going to be kind of a hot take like my Madden quarterback, mm-hmm. Dorian Thompson Robinson. I love that guy. I love him. You watch his, you watch his highlights, you watch his tape and there's clips where like, you know, when you're like so impressed by something, you have like a look of disgust on your face. You're just like, Ugh. <laughs> That's the entire time I'm watching the entire time, but backed it up with a four, five, six, 40, the fastest 10 yard split. And like, I don't know why people were so surprised with how well he threw at the combine. He had a 70% pass completion percentage in his senior season at UCLA. Mm-hmm. Not to mention he's a five-year starter. Chris, I know you love four-year starters, a five-year starter. And it just seemed to get better and better every season that he played. And to see him go to the combine and kill it, I don't know why more people weren't talking about him because I thought he looked really good. I think a team that has like an athletic quarterback that's looking for a backup is gonna is gonna land themselves a really good developmental prospect. If there's any quarterback in this draft that's like, I'll throw out some names like of guys that maybe went after the first round and end up being really good, right? Like the Kirk Cousins, the the Russell Wilsons. Uh, the Brock Purdy's any guy like that in this draft. I really think it's Dorian Thompson Robinson. If he, if he finds himself in the right spot. I actually love that take and like a strategy I have in all 22. And what do you mean? Actually, what does that mean? I, 
actually think that was because like some of your takes, you know what I mean? Some of them, I don't know how I feel. That was a great take. That was a great take. It actually but, was. It actually was. Like in all 22 drafts, like I will always go after the four-year starter. And like, I don't care what round they're drafted with my seventh round pick. That's a guy I'm going to add to my bench. Just let him sit there. If he doesn't work out, you didn't spend anything on him. You let him go. But like when that guy hits, because four-year starters that are drafted a little late in the draft have a serious, uh, much higher level of success than other guys at like uh, being drafted later. So like, that's something to look forward to. Go do I'm that. Hyped. I'm hyped about him. He comes to New York, man. I'll, I'll get a back quarterback's jersey. I don't give. A, I don't care, man. I'll, I'll do it. Like if he's a Jet, easy there. I said. I said an athletic quarterback's backup, not Mike White's. <laughs> Aaron, I'm talking about Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, but okay. Yeah. Ray, is there any other quarterbacks you wanted to talk about before we move on? Not really. I, I got nothing on potential backup guys. Just good on everyone else besides Stetson Bennett for skipping the senior bowl and not getting drunk. So you made a face. I feel like you don't like DTR. Yeah, just, he's a, he's a, he's a, yeah, he's a backup quarterback. I'll, I'll talk about him when it's, when he gives me something to talk about, you know? Okay. Like I appreciate your take on him because that's my blind spot. You know? What do you mean it's your blind spot? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't spend much time on him. I know that's what you, you look at that, right? That's sort of your realm. So outside of like the top guys, you know, that are, that are projected to be starters in the league in their first year or two. Yeah. I usually look at those guys last. Sometimes I forget Sean Clifford's your quarterback and like, you know, that's like everybody looks good. And that's your measuring stick. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It probably makes everything else look blurry. Exactly. I get it. Uh, Anybody in the receiver group that you guys liked that was exciting to you? So, I'll, t- I'll start with the, the low-hanging fruit first. I thought Jackson Smith and Jigba had a really good weekend, and he kind of needed it, right, because he didn't play all year. So he was kind of a forgotten man, and some were like, okay, maybe he's a late first-round type of player. Uh, you know, he has questions about his speed. And I know he didn't run his 40, but he, he did pretty much everything else and looked really good doing it, had great measurements, great agility, and basically just reminded everybody of why six months ago he was – projected to be the top receiver in this class bar none. So I thought he had a, I thought he really helped himself probably more than any other offensive player uh, in the entire combine, in my opinion, by just solidifying himself as a top half of the first round wide receiver. And he didn't even run a 40. So uh, I was really impressed with him and maybe I shouldn't have been surprised. Maybe it was just more so, you know, you just haven't seen him in a while and you forgot how good this guy really is. Isn't the forward, wasn't his 40 like one of the big question marks about him? It, it was, but when he checks every other box, then it's almost like, you know, then I don't care so much. I mean, his, his shuttle and three cone were awesome. Great broad jump. So you see the explosion there, six foot, over six foot, just under 200 pounds. Uh, so, I mean, it's size-wise, he's right where you want him to be. And, I mean, you, his tape is phenomenal. So, uh, yeah, I get it. The 40 is a bit of a question, but I mean, to, to look at the other receivers in this class too, right? We had a bunch of guys who thought we were going to run really fast and kind of disappointed with their 40 times. So maybe it's a slow track. Maybe it's this class as a whole is not as fast as we thought it was. 
And that's another thing that these guys aren't separating themselves from a guy like uh, Smith and Jigbo with, right? We thought Jalen Hyatt might run like a four, two, eight. He ran in the four fours. So, um, I get it. I, I would have loved to see him run the 40. And normally I'm more critical of guys who don't because that always raises like a red flag to me. And I just don't like that. Right. But he just looked really good in his, his agility stuff. And that's, that is objectively to me anyway, more important to me. So yeah, I, I got to say he stock up for Smith and Jigba. Yeah. You have to think like if he had just taken the Jamar chase route and not played at all, instead of like having an injury, after his amazing sophomore year, you'd probably, everybody would just be talking about him like he's the guaranteed number one receiver. But because he played and he got hurt, it's kind of, you don't like to see that, right? Um, the 40 time thing, he's going to run it at his pro day. It's a Ohio State pro day, so he's going to run a 4 3. So yeah. nobody will be worrying about that anymore. <laughs> um, but Good 38 guy, yard dash. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the guy I was excited about uh, seeing his success was Rashi Rice. And my kind of like comp for him post combine reminds me a lot of Corey Davis. And like, I was a huge Corey Davis guy. So that says something, even though Corey Davis hasn't necessarily panned out, but six, one, two Oh four ran a four, five, one. He had the fourth best 10 yard split at a one, four, nine. He had a 41 inch vert, which is like insane at 200 pounds. Um, all this tells me he's, he's a really explosive athlete, really good size receiver. Um, but he played for SMU kind of a small school. A lot of his film, if you watch his highlight tapes, it's all contested catches, which makes me think he has trouble separating, which is a little concerning. Um, but all of that is exactly what we saw from Corey Davis. And Corey Davis, you know, got a second contract. So uh, Rashi Rice, maybe, you know, a late second, third round pick, you know, and that's that's probably what Corey Davis should have been. So um, should be a good spot for him somewhere. Yeah, well, you said there too. So I actually, he was my next name. That's maybe I should have mentioned him first. So. But uh, yeah, the, the, what you said there, though, about seeing the contested catches on film. So it's the exact opposite of Smith and Jigba. I would have loved to see agility numbers for Rasheed Rice to, to maybe help either answer some questions, just provide clarity around that and his base athleticism as it relates to that agility, because that, of course, is sort of what gives you the ability to separate uh, in those routes. And so we didn't see that. So he's an explosive linear athlete at the combine. And then when you watch tape, he's an explosive linear athlete. So you just got to go off of the idea that he's an explosive linear athlete. So what do you do with that at receiver? Because a lot of those guys do bust. It's, it's tough for those guys to succeed in this league with the way um, passing games are nowadays, where it's those sort of shifty, more agile guys um, creating separation that are really the heart of offenses nowadays. So I don't know, he posted some good numbers, but I'm not sure he answered any questions. Speaking of those shifty guys, I was super excited to see say, – Save Flowers is an easy one, right? But I was still really excited to see him. And since he's Tyler Scott, I've seen both of those guys draw comparisons to T.Y. Hilton. So to get to see those guys apples to apples was something I was really excited for. And I think Zay Flowers looked outstanding. I mean, every drill he made just looked effortless. Um, really good hands, looked super shifty, quick in and out of his cuts. He looked, he looked really good. And for everybody who's all over Jalen Hyatt, one of those linear, like straight line speed guys, Jalen Hyatt ran a four, four flat and flowers ran a four, four, two. So like, it's really pretty comparable if, if, you know, kind of comparing it again, comparing it apples to apples. So it seems like flowers has like that speed, that top end speed 
and the quickness to get some separation too. So I thought I thought Zay Flowers made it pretty clear that he is one of the top, if not the top receiver in the in the draft. I mean, obviously there's Quentin Johnson and uh, JSN, but I think he's he's right up there with those three guys. Just depends on what you like. Let's let's stay on him for a minute. I, I loved what he did at the combine, and actually watching his tape after I saw people comparing him to Antonio Brown, couldn't get it out of my head. And uh, do I think he has it in him? Yes. Do I think he's that? I don't know. But a guy that small, if I'm a team that needs a first round receiver, do I want to do that? Right. Like I remember the Ravens did that with Marquise Brown and didn't really work out. Are you comfortable taking a guy like that in the first round to be your number one receiver? And Bobby, I think that's a good question for you as a Giant fan. Yeah, he's actually who I'm hoping and praying for at 25 because I feel like he's not only one. I've heard somebody say that adding him with Wandale Robinson is a little bit redundant, and I really don't agree because I think you can get the guy that stretches the field, which you don't get in Wandale. Wandale is more of the underneath guy, the guy that goes sideline to sideline. So I think Zay can give you that that downfield threat, but also get separation. He's the he's the uh, he's not the obviously not a contested catch guy which I think mm-hmm. the Giants are looking to get away from. That's that's why things with Kenny Gall didn't work out. That's why you, you're not going to see them go after Hopkins or any of these big guys coming out uh, in free agency. Um, so I think Flowers is a perfect fit there, and I would love to see them, love to see the Giants grab him at 25 if he's there. Okay. One other thing I, I'll say I liked about him, he didn't show up with an extra 20 pounds of muscle that looked just like unnatural, right? I remember that with uh, Jalen Rager. Like I was a huge Rager fan. I loved his film in college. He showed up the combine and ran way slower than he was supposed to. He was all bulky. And I feel like he kind of just ruined himself. Like he got away from what made him a good receiver. And I don't think, I don't think uh, Zay made the same mistake. That's a good point. Getting 20, getting 20 pounds of muscle and still running a four, four, two. That's awesome. Right. Yep. Exactly. So, so talking about just another guy that impressed Quentin Johnson, he was probably the only guy that was prototypical X receiver, 6'3", 208, and a pretty good 40 time. I don't want to talk about him too much because I don't think his film is really translatable yet. I think it's, he's going to take a lot of work, but he was a winner just in terms of he's actually 6'3", 208 pounds and fast. So it's another guy. Is there anybody else you guys had? Nah, I'm done with the little guys. It's all the, uh, <laughs> ready for the big guys if you are. Well, before we move on to Sunday, do we want to talk disappointments from Saturday? Mine was just that Will Levis was kind of douchey. And then (laughs) Jordan Addison, I felt like was just, yeah. I mean, we kind of touched on it before the pod. Really just wasn't amazing. A 4.4940, which is, okay, it's average. Um, But a 34-inch vert, 10-foot, 2-inch broad jump. Like, feel like he didn't show the athleticism that you'd hope to see from somebody who's what is he, 173 pounds? So that was a little bit disappointing. So stand on Jordan Addison, feel the same way. Uh, I compared his film to some of the top receivers we've seen coming out. Like, I think he is that talented on film. Coming out and doing this combine and showing those numbers makes you think that he's not one of those guys. When you compare him to the combines of a Justin Jefferson, combines of other guys like that, like that size, the best route runners in the NFL – He's not that, right? He's not fast enough. He's not 6'1". He's not close to 200 pounds. So those are all concerns. But when I went back and thought about it a little bit more, you look at a guy like Devonta Smith, who was also extremely undersized and didn't do anything at the combine. Um, And I think to myself, you know, Devonta Smith 
has shown in the league that he is a great receiver. Like, yes, he needed AJ Brown to go there to really break out, but he had a he had an amazing season last year. And if Jordan Addison can be that, I still think he he has an opportunity to be a have a lot of success in the NFL. Just not sure he can really be anybody's number one and only option. Like I wouldn't like him for the Giants anymore. Right. I think landing spots can have a big a big part of his success at the next level. Mm-hmm. I mean, as with anybody, but especially him. Oh, I, I'm going to go away from Jordan Addison unless you want right. to close out on yeah, him. Yeah, let me say one more thing. Because like saying that, I actually really like him still to the Packers at pick, what do we have, 15? Because I think if you can pair him with Christian Watson, and Christian Watson is the guy that people are focusing on, and then you have Jordan Addison being like the true route runner, I really like that. I would really like that for whoever's the quarterback, if it's Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love. So I'm actually over here kind of praying that we still take him. But I okay. hope you do too. <laughs> who are you moving uh, to? So Keishon Butte is someone who really did not help himself at the Combine. He had a lot of questions going in, just surrounding him off the field, right, with, with some of the character concerns and the stuff that went on at LSU at the end of his career, right? You you look at him and you're like, okay, this guy was a fantastic freshman, had some injuries, then a coaching change, and then like wasn't really involved, um, and then had like this weird suspension type saga at, at the end of his junior year. And so now you want to see him at the combine. Yes, the interviews are very important, right? And we don't get to see that part of it, right? Teams are going to grill him about the stuff that happened in college with him. But you also wanted to see if that athlete that you saw two years ago is still there, right? And is is he a dynamic player who may, you know, may have just had a bad run of things for two years? You know, sometimes things just happen. And instead, he just really disappointed, um, you know, measured under six feet, 195 pounds, ran a four or five, but his vertical jump was just 29 inches, uh, you know, dropped some balls there, just, just didn't look impressive at all on the field. So when you combine that with the questions surrounding him off the field, it's, it's tough to see. I think he might've dropped a, a full round at least uh, to maybe he's like a late day two guy now in, in the NFL draft when if he had had a great combine, maybe could have been a late first round pick and someone who a team would have invested more into and would have been someone that could have been on our radar as, as all 22 managers. So I think his stock fell big time. And unless he comes out or it comes out that he's still dealing with issues from an injury he suffered this past year or something, and then he clears this up big time at his pro day, I, I think I think his stock is way down. Hmm. Okay. The last guy I'll mention before we move to Sunday is just Michael Mayer. Uh, Huge disappointment. When I watched this film, I thought he was definitely the number one tight end because I thought he was the guy that was big enough, strong enough to do both be a blocker, be a receiver. His receiving film was really, really special. His blocking skill looked good on film, but now he comes out and he's actually one of the smaller tight ends. He's under 6'5". He's under 250 pounds. He has below average athleticism. I I wouldn't touch him in a top 45 pick. And people were talking about him being like, you know, top 15. So uh, definitely would stay away from a guy like him now. Uh, I know we're getting tight on time. So let's move to Sunday. Offensive line and running back. Um, let's just jump into it, guys. Who on the offensive line stood out to you? Uh, either one of you, just take it. Who was your? Who were the guys for you? I mean, Paris Johnson was my guy who I was most excited to see. Um, just looks like 
a freak. He's one of my favorite um, offensive line prospects for this year. And I feel like he backed it up. He did he did well in the combine. But the guy that I was really excited to see was Cody Mock. Um, honestly, I was just excited to see his red hair and his missing teeth at the combine. <laughs> like, it's awesome. Um, and it's funny because I've seen an Alex Kappa comp with him. And I feel like that's just as lazy as Ray's <laughs> Jason Seahorn comp for Riley Moss. <laughs> that wasn't an action. That wasn't an honest comp. Equally, Continue. As, la- equally as lazy. Um, thought those two guys were impressive. Um, wouldn't mind. I, I, I know interior offensive lines and like not a deep spot in this draft. But again, looking at like my favorite team, I would love to have Cody Mock. Um, but I was also really impressed with Andrew Voorhees. I mean. Really sucked to see him get hurt, but was really impressed with what he did the next day and go and kill it in the bench press with 38 reps after after tearing his ACL. That was really cool to see, and, and how could you not be impressed by that? People were saying, like, it's not impressive because he hurt his leg. It doesn't affect his upper body. Like, have those people ever benched before? <laughs> like, have they ever, like tried to push 225 pounds without their legs under them? Like, that's hard to do. And he did it 38 times. Like, that's super impressive. Yeah, I think mo- most guys probably would have packed up and went home. So I think that was really, really cool. And you know what's crazy is like when I watched film, if I, w- I did my ratings on film before the combine and he was like one of my top interior offensive linemen. And it's funny because my note on him is he's built like a tackle. I don't know why he didn't play tackle at USC, but he did. He played guard really well. So um, he's a little bit older. I, I hope a team still takes a chance on him. I'm sure they will, uh, but it's probably going to hurt his stock quite a little bit. Um, your note on Paris Johnson couldn't agree more. I think him and Broderick Jones, like there wasn't really questions on their athleticism, but they went there and proved that they were every bit as athletic as you thought they were. So that's great. And excited for those guys. Uh, Blake Freeland, another guy like BYU, 6'8", 302 pounds. He's a little bit of a string bean, needs to gain some weight. But like, holy cow, he was near the top of every category. He's another one of those guys. Uh the only thing I will say is he didn't bench, right? So if you're six eight, three hundred pounds, and kill it in the athleticism with your athleticism, but then you don't bench, it might prove everybody's point that maybe you are too skinny to play in the league at that size. And like being an athlete doesn't—that's not the most important thing. You need to be strong enough in the league to be a top tackle. Yeah, it's a good point. So, uh, staying on Paris Johnson here a little bit too, right? Yes. Super athletic. I I was excited to see him too. And I think he, you know, acquitted himself very well. I think it was interesting. You had Broderick Jones, Paris Johnson, and Dewan Jones sort of all going back to back to back in, in the different movement drills. And it was interesting to see the difference in how those guys move uh, compared to each other, right? So like Dewan Jones is obviously huge, right? Measured really well, had like 36 plus inch arms, uh, was just like his measurements are insane from a size perspective, right? Um, 40-yard dash, whatever, 535, that's actually not that bad for someone who's 374 pounds. Um, but you see the movement side to side. You see the difference in someone like uh, Broderick Jones and Paris Johnson and then watching someone like Dewan Jones, who you say, yeah, definitely if he succeeds, he's just going to be more of like a power right tackle type player. Uh in the NFL. And that's why to me, I still have him a notch below guys like Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones and Darnell Wright at offensive tackle. Um, staying with offensive tackle, another guy that I'm actually not very high on, but I think he looked 
he looked good this past weekend was uh, Peter Skaronsky at Northwestern. He's not even close to Rashawn Slater. That's a lazy comparison. That's a very lazy comparison. Um, Not even close, uh, but he looked a little more athletic than I expected him to. I just, I don't like his, he just doesn't seem to have a lot of power in his game. I think Northwestern kind of helped him out a lot. And that's something I don't really want to see for someone who I'm drafting at offensive tackle in the first round. And if you're saying he's a guard, you want to slide him inside. I need someone who's a little more powerful, right? So, um, you know, sticking to just the combine stuff though, I think he looked well moving, uh, movement wise. And that was good to see because I was still kind of on the fence on that part of it too. And at least he showed out pretty well there. Yeah, I agree with that. A couple other guys on the interior I'll just mention quickly. Steve, I'm going to say it like a New York Italian, Avila, Steve Avila. I don't know if that's how you say his name. He uh, he was my number one guard prospect, and I think he did fine. Like nothing stood out as amazing, but he was competitive in everything. And you know what? Like he did everything. And to me, that that does say something. A guy that's trying to earn his spot. And I think all of these guards need to be doing that because none of them are great. And a guy that was a major disappointment in my eyes was Osiris Torrance. Um I will say he participated in all the drills, so I'll give him that. But people are talking about him as this like special guard that should go uh, maybe in the top 20, and I just don't see it, right? He wasn't a special athlete. Yes, he's big. He's 6'5", 330, but he's, like, his film doesn't show it. He wasn't a special athlete. So like to me, I, I just couldn't comprehend taking him. Like I, I've seen a lot of teams mocked him in the first round, and I would definitely stay away. He's going to get drafted pretty highly in all 22 leagues because there's not a lot of good guards in the league right now. And a lot of teams probably need it. So it's probably going to go higher than you would expect in rookie drafts this summer. Go for a Villa. (laughs) (laughs) All right, quickly, let's move to running back. Uh, Who wants to take the first shot at running back? Sure. Um, Running backs. I was excited for Keaton Mitchell. Keaton Mitchell is one of my favorite running backs in this class incredibly dynamic and always looked like the best athlete on the field at ECU. Um, and he was a lot of fun to watch in the combine backed it up in the drills, especially, uh, his positional drills as a receiver. Those are a lot of fun to watch with him. He definitely looked better than most guys in the class in those drills. Um, and I knew he was fast. But I did not realize he was four, three fast. That was super impressive. Um, I was really also excited to see Devin Ashane. That's how you say his last name. Um, A-Chain, yep. Yeah, I just wanted to see his 40. That's it. And that was awesome to see. It was so cool. (laughs) Um, I really want to see somebody break John Ross's record because, I don't know, I just want to see it. Uh, It'd be nice to have a good football player break his record. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I thought he had a chance. But, yeah, that was was still fun to watch anyway. Um, And Cam Peoples from Appalachian State. So – Cam Peoples looks like a wide receiver that's playing running back, and it's super awkward. Like, he just kind of looks like a giraffe running around, like, really fast. But, like, as awkward as it is, it's also, like, impressive at the same time. Just not sure how it translates in, into the league. But, yeah, thought he looked really good at the combine. Keaton Mitchell, like, people need to understand how impressive it is for somebody 5'8 to run a 4'3-something 40 time because they don't have the length. Like it's, you know, like for every step that uh, somebody six, three takes, they have to take two, you know what I mean? And like, that's crazy that he ran that fast. So love that too. Yeah. uh, You kind of took my, my note here. I didn't have a ton on the running backs, but was also interested in seeing Devin A. Chain. And the great thing about a prospect like him is, 
again, we're talking about all 22, right? So you look at his size, like, oh, he measured in at 188 pounds or whatever it was. So it's like, oh, he's not a feature back. He's not going to get the ball 20 times a game or 17 times a game, right? He's not going to be a bell cow. But he's showed great speed, uh, some receiving upside there, right? He's a big play type threat. And so he's athletic enough and a good enough football player to carve a large enough role for himself to where he is worth it to roster in your all 22 leagues and have a big role on your offense, which is what he'll do in the pros, right? He's not going to be a bell cow, but he's going to have a large, important role wherever he lands on offense. So I think it was good to see him at least back up his speed numbers and not necessarily kind of like you alluded to earlier, Chris, drink five gallons of water and just come in like way overweight to try to prove something size-wise that we know is not his game. So uh, I was I was uh, not pleasantly surprised, but pleased to see uh, A-Chain's overall combine performance in that respect. Yeah, for sure. A couple of guys I thought were like a little bit disappointments was Tank Bigsby and how do you say Zach's name from UCLA? Charbonnet. Charbonnet, yeah. So those guys were a little disappointing to me. Like I've been looking for the Nick Chubb, like in a draft where everybody's saying it's a super deep running back draft. I want to find those guys, like a, a Nick Chubb that's going to be slept on. He's going to go in the late second round. Team's going to take a chance on him and he's going to break out. And those were kind of two of the guys I was looking at for that. And they were disappointing athletically. Like they didn't come close to matching his athletic profile. Um, and then also Gibbs uh, from Alabama, like, yes, he did all right. You know, he's, he's super fast, but that's not a surprise. But being only 5'9 and under 200 pounds, don't know if he could really be a bell cow anywhere now. And that's, that's pretty disappointing to me. I thought he was going to be an every down back. Hmm. Okay. I'll push back a little bit. I, I still really like Jameer Gibbs. I think his tape is good enough that, like, I, I don't care size-wise. I think he's still, I think he's still that dude. Um, Agree. I, I also had my eye and was excited to watch Tank Bigsby. Wanted to see a bit more from him. He also skipped like four bags during that one drill. Um, but I think it's still all about situation for someone like Tank Bigsby. He didn't test so poorly that it's like I'm completely writing him off now uh, or anything like that. I think if he still goes into a good situation to carve out a role for himself, I think his tape is good enough to where he will be worth rostering in some leagues. Um, but he certainly didn't sort of catapult himself like I thought he might be able to. Agreed. And that's that's kind of the point I'm trying to make. And not, not mm -hmm. that they shouldn't be rostered. And I agree with you on your Gibbs take. Like, I think his film is special. Like, that's why I wanted to see that he comes in there and he's actually 5'11", 205. <laughs> and I, I have full confidence making that pick. Being that undersized is pretty hard because there's not many running backs in the NFL that are that size and are bell cows and can stay healthy. Um, but I mean, we can't go this whole time without mentioning Bijan, right? So Bijan looked really great. He was smooth. Uh, I think the only takeaway that I will say as a negative is when you're comparing him to the other guys that are talked about in the same breath, like a Zeke, like a Saquon, like a Fournette, those guys are much bigger than him. They are all over six feet tall. They are all 230 plus pounds. He is, he's 5'11", 215. So you're talking about a totally different size back. Yes, he looked great in all the drills. His film is incredible, but I think if you're going to try to make a comp for him, don't talk about those guys. If you're going to say McCaffrey, I think that's fine. That's more in tune with his skill set and his size, but I don't think you should be talking about him like a Saquon, like a Fournette, like a Zeke. No pushback. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm pushing back. I don't I don't care. His film is that damn good, um, and he's probably going to get drafted to a good team because. 
the league knows well enough to not draft those guys in the top five anymore. Do the Falcons know and that? If they get Lamar Jackson, who cares? Imagine him with Lamar Jackson True. opening up, you know, the running game for him. That that's they even better. But uh, they wouldn't have the pick then, isn't that yeah. right? It yeah. depends. I'm not sure how that whole thing works with the if if it's then the next two first round picks. To be honest, I'm I'm not sure how that that works. But they would work it out. They would work it out. But sure. um, I, I think regardless, I think his tape is that good. And, you know, two fifteen is fine. I think. And I, well, I guess part of that is rooted in the fact that I thought as prospects overall, especially Fournette, um, but Fournette and Zeke were a little overrated. I think, I, I don't think they were, I mean, to be drafted that high, you have to have Saquon type ability and Saquon type film. Neither of them had that. They had really good tape, really good measurables, but it's just different when you're talking that high of a pick. And so for Bijan to have pretty much everything else, but not be 220 plus, and just the he he plays with such a high IQ is how he sets up his blocks and everything else, which is better than maybe all those other guys were at that sort of nuance, um, you know, stuff. And as a running back, I'm perfectly fine with wherever he ends up. I think I think he's the type of back that can actually be successful behind a not great offensive line. So if he goes anywhere with that's better than that, stocks to the moon. Well, well, I think you like you misinterpreted what I said because me comparing him to McCaffrey. McCaffrey was still a top ten pick, right? So, like, mm-hmm. he's good enough to to be there. He should be in that conversation. I just think I've heard too many people saying he's Saquon, and like they are just so different build. Uh, they were built so differently, and their skill set might translate in the league very differently. So, like, I like him more as a McCaffrey comp to a Saquon comp, or a Fournette comp, or a Z comp. It's fair. That's it. That was that was pretty good, guys. We did all right. Overall, I this it. I was going to start the conversation with this, but I'm going to end it with it. Overall, how would you compare this offensive group to this defensive group? Oof. Ooh. Defense is way better. I think because edge is so deep and there's so much position value there, I'd have to agree with Ray. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys too. I think this quarterback group is better than people are giving it credit for, and that is bolstering the entire offensive group. I think every other position, maybe besides running back, is pretty below average. And on defense, I think you have a lot of depth at corner, at edge, at defensive interior. So I agree with you. I think it's a defensive heavy draft, we're going to say. Once we get that practice squad feature going, DTR, baby. (laughs) DTR is the first time practice squad. (laughs) You won't have any resistance from me. Well, till that day... Give us a follow on Instagram, TikTok, and uh, Facebook at all22 underscore PFF. Leave us a review wherever you're listening to your podcast. And thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be on later this week or early next week to talk about free agents. So we look forward to talking to you then. I'm a ghost.